0: Acts chapter 11, verses 19 to 26, which says, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, telling the message only to the Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch.
1: Father, I give you thanks and praise and pray that you would just let your love come down right now and let your spirit move upon us in a great and a precious way. And we ask for your healing touch in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm excited to be able to share this message this morning. This message God gave me earlier this year and he gave it to me as a sort of a, a, a John the Baptist type message. And so I was so thrilled when Nick said, would you come down to, uh, uh, to, to Yas? And, uh, and, and I appreciate very much the invites of the, uh, to come because uh, wherever I go, I want to be able to share this message because I really believe that God is getting us ready for revival. God's go- I tell you what, we desperately need it, do we not? And, um, and no politician, whatever brand they are, is going to solve the problems of this country. So I believe God's going to do a great move of the spirit over the nation and we desperately need it. Uh, Nick was just making mention in the prayer time uh, or earlier that there has already been a great revival breakout at Arakoon up in the north of Australia and you can read about it. There are half a dozen copies of Eternity newspaper just being put on the desk down there. And you can read about it. Aracoon is an Aboriginal population of 1,300 people, and the Spirit of God has broken out there. And there are 1,000 people going to church in Aracoon. The only one church, it's the Uniting Church. And Aracoon Uniting Church has now become the third largest uniting church in the whole of Australia, can you believe? You know? And so 1,000 out of 1,300 people have come to Jesus and are really on fire for God. And so. Uh, uh, it can happen, and we need to pray, keep praying. And, and I believe it's going to happen in Yaz. I believe that there are so many signs that you guys are going to see a great move of God across this place, not just the Baptist church, but other churches as well. You'll be central to it, I'm sure. And so uh, uh, God's going to move in this place. So be encouraged. Keep praying, crying out to God, offering yourself afresh to him. And my message is to hopefully encourage you and give you some things to think about, about how God did it in the first century and how I believe he would want to do it again by picking up some of these uh, these ideas. And so uh, we just uh, focus over there. So uh, in this uh, passage, I want to just focus on on this great revival that occurred in Antioch in Acts chapter 11. And uh, what was it that really stirred this city To get on fire for God. Now, you need to know that unfortunately, Antioch today is in ruins, and uh, you can't actually go there because of the troubles in Syria, which is rather sad. I would have loved to have gone to that spot. I got to visit many of the other ancient cities two years ago, but not to that one. And uh, so, uh, Antioch in Syria was the third largest city in the Roman Empire, and uh, only behind Rome and Alexandria. And so, it was a very significant place. And uh, so uh, we're talking about a city of some significance. Now, let me just give you a bit of the background as to what happened before this great move of God occurred in Acts 11. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus is talking about the fact that you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You're going to be empowered by God. That was the that was the word he gave for the disciples in Acts 1 8. And of course, at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down, and remembering it empowered the disciples to be Christians. It didn't make them Christians. They already were Christians. They already had the Holy Spirit. They'd already been born again at Acts 2. And so uh, but what happened to them? They received an empowering from God that enabled them to stand up and do things that they didn't normally do. Peter's a good example of that. Peter, a fisherman, who 52 days before denied he even knew Jesus in front of a teenage girl, and three times, remember, at the crucifixion, now stands up in front of at least 3,000 people and says that Jesus Christ died and rose again from the dead and you guys crucified him. Pretty bold stuff to say. And 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus as a result of that message. You can read it in Acts 2. It's there in the wonderful true word of God. So uh, now by the time we get to Acts 7, uh, now Jesus said, go into the world and make disciples of all nations. How many people went? Have you ever asked yourself that question? How many people went out and did what Jesus commanded them to do? Nobody. Nobody. Not one disciple, even though they've been empowered by God, went out of Jerusalem to share the good news of Jesus anywhere in the New Testament world. Uh, they did in Jerusalem; there's no question of that. But they didn't go out into the wide world to do it. So in Acts seven, there's a persecution breaks out. Stephen has now become a Christian; he's a deacon, and uh, and he stands up boldly, telling people about Jesus, upsets the authorities no end, and so they stone him to death. And as a result of that, and remember Saul or Paul is there holding the garments of all those people who stoned Peter. And as a result of that, a great persecution broke out and the Christians ran for their lives. Where did they go? All over the place. They went, finally. (laughs) Not because Jesus told them to, but because they went in fear of their lives. Things haven't changed much in 2,000 years, have they, you know? and so uh, so that's the uh, and so in Acts eight we have uh, uh, Paul now is dramatically going around persecuting Christians in Acts chapter nine, Paul, on the way to Damascus, has a dramatic encounter with Jesus and is converted himself. Then we come to Acts chapters ten and eleven, which is we 're moving up to what I want to share with you today. Uh, Peter has a vision, and the vision is that this man who is a non jew called Cornelius, uh, is going to have an encounter with God. Remember the vision that he has at Joppa? And he goes up to Caesarea and meets Cornelius and leads Cornelius to Jesus. Cornelius uh, comes to Jesus, is baptized, he and his whole household, and then Cornelius is baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is a non-Jew. Whew. How dare God moved beyond the bounds of Judaism. And so this is an incredible breakthrough. And so uh, that's what happens in Acts 10, moving into 11. But meanwhile, at the city of of Antioch, there is um, a revival that's breaking out. And a bunch of these Christians who had scattered in Acts 7 and had gone off to other, other places, Cyprus was one of them, and began to share the good news of Jesus over there, comes over to Antioch and begins to preach the gospel to Jews and non-Jews. It's Jews and Gentiles, the Bible calls them. And so this revival begins to break out. And so and the revival is pretty incredible because it involves Jewish people who've become Christians and non-Jewish people who've become Christians. And so there's this great move of the Spirit of God occurring in the city. And so the, uh, Nick read the passage for you. You can see they came from Phoenicia and Cyprus. These are Christians who'd fled for their lives after, after the persecution of Stephen and, uh, and then uh, shared the gospel there. And now they've come down to Antioch, this city in Antioch. So I want to share with you now... What are some of the key factors that brought about this great move of the Spirit of God in Antioch? And see if we, see if we can grab hold of some of these and, uh, and, and make them so for yes. Does that sound good? Uh, that's what I'm really sort of hoping to, to show. So the first one is that the church was founded by believers who'd suffered persecution. Now, let me say to you that persecution, whilst we don't like it, is not such a bad thing. Where are the fastest growing churches in the world at the moment? Where they're being persecuted. The fastest growing church at the moment is China. There are more people coming to know Jesus in China than anywhere. Well, there's more of them, I suppose. But even percentage wise, there's more people coming to. I tell you, one of the other fastest growing churches in the world is Iraq. And those guys really laid on the line for Jesus in Iraq. i tell you another place where there's a great move of God that we don't get to hear anything about, North Korea. Do you know there's over a 1,000 young Christians from South Korea who bought one-way tickets and have gone into North Korea to share the good news of Jesus? They bought one-way tickets because most of them believe they'll never return. How's that for commitment? There are over 5,000 South Korean students who bought one-way tickets to go into the world and share the gospel of Jesus wherever God's sending them to. We had one of them a lovely young girl uh with uh, who came to our church in Port Macquarie and married one of our guys and they're now serving God in uh in Cambodia, in Cambodia and uh, witnessing there. So, there's stuff stirring, you know. And we don't get to read about it in our newspapers unless something horrible happens. And, um, and so uh, do pray for that. I don't know what happened today, but we all cried out to pray. There were 200 Christians to be executed yesterday uh, in one of the uh, Muslim worlds. And did you get that uh, thing on Facebook or prayer request? So I'm praying that somehow they got spared, but they were to be shot. 200 Christians for their faith in, uh, I can't remember whether whether it was uh, Iraq or Iran or one of those countries. So uh, uh, it's a great cost. So, you know, persecution is painful, but it's not such a bad thing. And can I say that as I've got to know many of you people here in this church, many of you have gone through some difficult times to be here in this place. Some of you have, I'm not saying you've been persecuted, but you've had some tough times. Can I encourage, and, and you've risen above them? Can I encourage you to keep on that way? And uh, God will use you in a powerful way. He always uses tough things in order for us to go on for the Lord. And so now, those who'd scattered by, scattered by persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. So God always uses suffering and hardship to expand his kingdom. We don't want that, but if that's the way it is, God will use that to expand his kingdom secondly uh, the church was focused on christ alone verse 20 tell them the good news about the lord jesus they didn't worry about talking about church tradition or church whatever's or whatever here it was just all about jesus and uh and so that's the focus of a of a revival a revival is built around the message of jesus the power of the name of jesus and, uh, and we need to make that the focus. I mean, some of the other things, whether you want to be baptized by full immersion or baptized by infancy or, or dry cleaned like the Salvation Army do, don't let those issues get in to uh, be a problem. Uh, they're important, but not the most essentials, you know. It might be the last time I preach in a Baptist church, but that's okay, you know. So <laughs> but Jesus is the focus. He's the one. And we need to be careful and prayerful uh, to replace religiosity uh, with uh, uh, not let religiosity get in the road of the good news of Jesus. You know, on the latest census that's come out for Australia, there is one church, and I won't name it, but there's one church that has seen a 40% decline in membership. And that's the church that is projecting homosexual preachers and teachers And has focused all its efforts on social issues and not the word of God and not the boldness of Jesus. God's God's not happy if we compromise. And sadly, that group has dropped from the third highest largest church in Australia and is now drooping down much lower. The Pentecostal churches, the Baptist churches increased in numbers. That's good news because they honor Jesus and preach his name and uh, across Australia. So it's good news. Uh, I, I forgot to say that I'll just go back one. Uh, if when you're suffering persecution, can I just encourage you uh, that um, last year I, I, I took a funeral. I mentioned earlier, I take non-church funerals and I took a funeral for a man whose wife had committed suicide and it was so sad. And not only she, he came home from work and there she was hanging out in the, in the backyard and uh, and not only that, but she left a note blaming him for her, for her death. And so you can imagine how hard that would be. And so I, I got to take the funeral, got to encourage this guy, sat with him for ages and prayed with him and helped him. He, he'd had a faith as a young man and obviously just got carried away with all sorts of stuff over the years. So I encouraged him to get back into the life of the church you know you need you need God in your life John you need to be able to really uh, uh, get there and so to his credit after a little while he got himself going back to a church he went to the Anglican church in Warhope and uh, which is where he where he lived and uh, and so uh, that was lovely and so then uh, only a few weeks ago he rang me up and said to me Kerry guess what guess what Kerry I said what John what's happened He said, I I took your advice and I went back to the Anglican church and now I'm engaged to the vicar. (laughs) I said, mate, I, I expect you to go back to church to worship God, but not run off with a vicar. <laughs> the vicar. The, the minister was a widowed woman who was in the church, and obviously something clicked between them. And so, just a week or so ago, up at Casino, they were married. So, uh, so good things can come out of tragic circumstances, can't they? You know, and so be encouraged when you go through tough times. It can be good. Thirdly, we can see that the church was led by both the pastor and the teacher of God's word. Um, It's interesting that when the revival broke out, uh, the the church in Jerusalem was encouraged to send down Barnabas uh, to sort of have a, to pastor this revival. And so Barnabas goes down. Barnabas is a great pastor encourager. His word, his name means encourager. And so uh, uh, he goes down and, and sees this great move of the Spirit of God occurring in Antioch and realizes that if this is going to go on and do great things, they need good Bible teaching as well. And he's not seeing himself as a Bible teacher. But he remembers this guy, Saul, Paul, who 10 years before had been converted dramatically at Damascus and had gone up to Jerusalem been uh, uh, accepted by the church in Jerusalem but because the Jerusalem church was so terrified that this uh, uh, leading Pharisee who's now become a Christian would bring persecution on them they suggested very nicely that Paul might like to go somewhere else and so Paul went to Tarsus and stayed there for 10 years no one ever heard of him again I don't even know how Barnabas knew about where he was and so Barnabas realized that we need a good Bible teacher like Paul, Saul, Paul. And so he goes to Tarsus, which is not far away from Antioch, finds Saul, Paul, and brings him back to Antioch. And Paul and Barnabas teach the word of God and pastor the church together. And I believe revival needs pastors and teachers for it to really go forward. That's the trouble in Aracoon at the moment. Uh, there the, have no pastor up there. The revival has broken out. And, uh, and so as soon as the word gets out that this is happening, there's a whole bunch of churches think, oh, well, let's get in there, you know. So there's been all sorts of weirdos go into Arakoon to try and muck up, you know, you've got to worship God on the Saturday or you've got to do this or have got to do that. And so fortunately the elders are strong enough that they've told them all to pack their bags and go. They don't want that. So they, they want people who will teach Jesus and the word of God. And so, so last, according to the newspaper article, they're still looking for someone to come and come up and preach and teach and encourage them and nurture them in the things of God. And so that's what, that's what we, we need to see. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The fourth thing that we need in revival is a prophecy a focus on the gifts of the Spirit. This church was aware of God's Spirit and wanted God's gifts to be exercised. So it's Jesus, it's preaching the Word of God, it's pastoring and teaching people, but it's also being open to the Holy Spirit. Being ready and receptive for whatever God would want to say. And so this prophet guy, Agapus, comes down from uh, Jerusalem and uh, sp- uh, and they let him get up in the church and speak. And he speaks up in the church and tells them and warns them about a, a drought or a famine that's coming. And, uh, and so the church in Antioch uh, takes that to heart and uh, begins to do something about providing a blessing uh, for people who would be suffering from those uh, famines or droughts and praying for that. So the church needs to be a church that lets the gifts of the Spirit flow, and that's why it was so great to have the seminar yesterday, and then last night we had a wonderful time after that Butte worship time of just praying for each other in those small groups. And It was special, wasn't it? And uh, just uh, And seeing a number of you start praying for each other, and and asking God to show you some words or some things that can mean you can pray for each other. I want to encourage you to keep doing that because that's going to be powerful and precious. Uh, And uh, so that's the fourth thing. Fifthly, don't you know there's only six And we're getting close to the end. Isn't that wonderful news? And uh, so the fifth thing was the church was a caring and generous church. After they heard about the famine that's coming in verses 29 and 30, the disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. As they did this, they sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. So they, they they were very willing to give what they had to bless others. So that's a sign of a church in revival. And I pray that you also will be people who will be giving generously. And um, I can remember some years ago when God was blessing our church, Grace Church, wonderfully well. We, um, uh, both financially and, uh, and also with numbers of people coming when we were growing to 500, uh, we, we, we felt God wanted us to uh, commit 10% of all our income and give it away every month. Well, we we didn't decide every month at first, but when we we, we, we made the decision to give 10% away and then we went to do it, found out we didn't have it. (laughs) So then we decided we bet to give away 10% every month. And so every month, whatever the income would be, we give it to either missionary work or to whatever God lays on the hearts of our people. Now, we heard one of our churches down the road was in financial trouble. So I said, okay let 's pack up our church on Sunday mornings, and let 's go down to that church going mean, be the uniting church let 's go down to the Uniting Church, and let 's walk into the church, bless them by celebrating god 's love with them, and give them a check in the church. Now we only presented them five hundred dollars, and they were in debt millions, but, um, but they, was, they were in tears, they were so touched that this this crazy mob called Grace Church up the road would come down and and bless them by worshipping with them and then giving them a gift of five hundred dollars and it didn't solve their problem well, it did later uh it was quite miraculous things happened to save them from their their huge predicament so uh be generous be generous and then lastly uh the church was ascending out church we don't get this from acts 11 but we do get it from acts 13 where uh In the church at Antioch, while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I've called them. So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So another vital key to a church in revival is it's sending out missionary church. And uh, so these six things, founded by believers who'd suffered, Focused on Christ alone, uh, led by both a pastor and teacher, prophetic, open to gifts of the Spirit Church, and caring and generous church, and ascending out church. Now, note this, church. They didn't just look around and say, oh, yeah, well, there's Harry and Mary. Uh, You know, they're doing nothing in our church here. So let's raise them up and send them out as missions somewhere. They chose the best two people in their church, Paul and Barnabas and sent them out and look what God did in revival throughout the world through Paul and Barnabas which we're still walking in that today in fact uh, a a friend of mine just said the other day Paul did more for the kingdom of God while he was in prison than he ever did out of prison he started he planted and started 14 churches out of jail but in prison he wrote all his letters that we still read 2000 years later and we get blessed out of our socks by reading the letters that Paul wrote from prison, Philippians, Ephesians, etc., so God God works in amazing ways, doesn't He? And so that's that's the key there. So, uh, what why did the Antioch church grow so rapidly? Peter Wagner, one of our world's uh, leading missiologists, says it was by divine power and sound missiology. They had a, they had a strategy. Verse twenty one: The Lord's hand was with them. God was with them. And they preach Christ alone, so that's so they became known as Christianos. That means people who walk with Jesus. So isn't that isn't that great? You know, they they became known as that. Uh, and uh, what do people say about us? What do people say about the Baptist Church in Yas? What do they call us? What would they say? Uh, interesting, challenging thought, isn't it? You know. Oh, them crazy Baptists up the road! Do they say that, or you know, or those fundamentalists? <laughs> uh, what do they say about us? Well, these guys became known as Christians, people who follow Jesus. And you know, every time there's been a great move of God, there has been uh, the the moves of God are, are called by that. I mean, the great move of God under John Wesley became known as the Methodists. Why? Because John Wesley had a method of discipling new Christians. You know, thousands of people were coming to Jesus across England, and Wesley said, we need to disciple these guys. We need to put them through a little Bible study program so they can go on with God. And there was a method that they did that with, and they became known as Methodists. Is that right? Uh, the Baptist Church, when it revi- was revived, was also a revival and a great move of God. Became known as Baptist. Why? Because you baptize new believers and encourage them in the things of God, and uh, and that was a great process of washing off the old self and putting on the new self in the process of baptism. Uh, the uh, uh, the Quakers. You ever heard of the Quakers? We don't. They're a bit of a dead duck today, but. Uh, the Quakers once were a great move of the Spirit of God. And the reason they were called Quakers is when the presence of God came on them, they shook. They quaked. They shook. And uh, so God just moves in great and powerful ways. So these are the six things that uh, would uh, uh, God used to start about a great revival in Antioch. And if you think about it, me, most of those six things would be also what God would have as a heart for seeing the move of the Spirit of God over Yass, would he not? You know? And, and it begins with me, begins with me. Billy Sunday was asked, uh, I mean, Billy Sunday is a great, like an old American uh, uh, Billy Graham evangelist type guy for back in the 1800s. Great, great, great gospel preacher. Used to do, you know, sort of build tents and do sawdust preaching. And Billy Sunday was asked, how do you start a revival? He said, I'll tell you how you start one. He said, you get out on the floor, you get a piece of chalk, you draw a, draw a circle around yourself and said, God, bring a revival in the circle. That's not bad, is it? You know, it's revive me. That's where a revival will come from. It comes from people being revived. That's not a bad thing to say. So uh, just in conclusion, Selwyn Hughes, in commenting about the city of Antioch, said these words in Every Day with Jesus. Show me a church where people are prepared to suffer for their faith, propagate the good news about Jesus Christ, demonstrate care for those who are needy, engage deeply with God in worship, remaining always open to the guidance of the Holy Spirit, rid themselves of all class distinctions and racial prejudice, utilize the gifts of all God's people, hold together strong people who differ, and and I will show you a church that will revolutionize the community, community in which it's placed. That's the church at Antioch. Selwyn is saying we need those churches to spring up in our cities and country towns around Australia, around the world today, do we not? Just finally, one church that has achieved some of this is, of all things, a uniting church. And it's Hope Church on the Gold Coast. Now, this church is quite amazing and uh, they recognised they had four uniting churches that were going down the gurgler. Just, just a few old ladies left, and that was about all in all the four churches. They were going into massive debt, etc., because they couldn't afford to pay no minister, no matter what, you know. And so uh, they got together and they decided to sell off the four buildings on the Gold Coast. And as a result of that, pulled in several million dollars worth of income. And as a result of that then, they then used that money to find several acres of land on the Gold Coast and bought some vacant land and built a a whole new church complex, which is called Hope Church. And uh, then then with their new minister, they began to build a church on Alpha using the Alpha Discipling Program. And so today, there are over 2,500 people worshipping in that church. Their income is phenomenal. They run Alpha programs like they're going out of fashion. Still, as people are coming to know Jesus and being discipled into uh, into the kingdom of God, and Alpha is a great program because it encourages us to be born again, baptized with the Spirit, and then to exercise the gifts of the Spirit. Comes out of the Anglican Church in London, and uh, with Nikki Gumbel, etc. So it's quite amazing. And so, uh, so here is a church that is really starting to bring about revival in their community it can be done and so uh could i encourage you with that so let's bow heads and and i'll pray and then if anyone would like prayer this morning for what we mentioned earlier about the uh uh, feeding uh in god or if you have a feeding uh, eating problem then come and get some prayer at the front at the end of the service and then uh uh, if you have any other needs today or just want to get close to God, Lord, let a revival start in me. Then please seek out some prayer this morning, and I'm sure there are some prayer team here who will join me in praying for people. So, Father, if, anyone's not, if, you don't, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, could I encourage you to make a decision today to invite Jesus Christ into your life? This could be the day that could change your life. And uh, so if there's someone this morning that has never made that personal decision to invite Jesus in, could I encourage you to do it today? What a great day it will be. And revival will begin in you today. So, Father, I thank and bless you that you're a great and a wonderful God. And I pray, dear Holy Spirit, that you would come and minister into our hearts and lives and bless each one of us now as we gather together in your name. I thank you for what you're doing here in the Yas Baptist Community Church. And I pray, Father, that you would really minister powerfully into the lives of each one. I pray for Nick and for Christy, that you would bless them as they seek to uh, serve you in this place. I thank you that they committed themselves to not just be here for three years, but to be here as long as it takes for you to do the things, God, that you have in store for this place. And I pray for your blessing over them. I pray for your blessing over this church and every church in this town that honors the name of Jesus. And we ask it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.